holidays everyone merry christmas happy hanukkah it is no bs with brian and susan (laughs) our episode today it's beginning to look a lot like podcast (laughs) yeah will you sing that with me uh, I was I was bobbing my head. She was bobbing her head. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Brian Kluger here with the hostess with the mostest, Susan Stevens. It, it, we're in the middle of December, and it's we're in Dallas, and it's like 70 degrees outside. It's crazy. I know. But we're so much closer to 2020 being over, and that's what's important. That is what's important for sure. Oh, my goodness. We have a great episode today. Um I mean, it's getting close to Christmas, so we're going to do the holiday is here. We are going to talk about uh, Christmas for our main event and, of course, our blind watch, our honorable mentions. But first, the movie and TV updates. I know what you're all dying to hear about. First off, we got to start off with a little bit of news. we got to say rest in peace. We're so sorry to hear the passing of Tiny Zeus Lister. The amazing actor, pro wrestler, you know him as Debo from Friday, Next Friday and the Friday After Next. He's been in a ton of movies. He was the president of the United States or the world, basically, in, um, oh, uh, The Fifth Element. And just a, he's a badass guy. You know, you know, he's this like big, big muscular guy who's usually playing security guards or whatnot. But I mean, he just all of a sudden passed away uh, yesterday. So very sad. Yeah, it was sad. You liked him, right? I mean, from what I saw him in, I, I wasn't as familiar as you were, but I mean, yeah, yeah, I liked him in Friday. Yeah, no, for sure. He's been in a ton of stuff, uh, and mm-hmm. he was always a sweetheart. So, uh, Tiny Zeus Lister, rest in peace. We miss you, rest buddy. Rest in peace. Um, so we have to talk about. So we've talked about Disney Plus a lot on the show, and. We've been talking about how Disney Plus is probably the worst streaming service just because there's, like, really no content. Like, we have The Mandalorian, we have The Simpsons, and, you know, some vintage movies, but whatever. But holy shit, they did their investor call uh, yesterday, and I guess they got word that everybody's pretty pissed off with Disney Plus, and everybody was going to cancel it after season two of Mandalorian. But holy shit, they announced – Literally like a hundred things coming out in the next two years, Marvel, Pixar, and Star Wars. Yeah, it was a little overwhelming, honestly. I was like, this is too much. Like, I can't even keep track of everything that they're uh, releasing. But, I mean, it's not all coming out at once. It's just a lot that's coming up, so. Right, so, like, Star Wars TV shows and movies. Marvel TV shows and movies, mm-hmm. uh, Pixar TV shows and movies, and even remakes of older films that we love. So, Susan, equals, yeah. going by what we were seeing yesterday, what are, what are like a couple that you're just like, oh, God damn it, yes, I'm, let me watch it now? Well, I definitely am looking forward to the Mighty Ducks um, sequel because Mighty Ducks is my all-time favorite uh, sports movie and the fact that they're bringing Emilio Estevez and Lauren Graham, what a great addition. I am a Gilmore Girls fan. So that I'm on board for. 
all the Marvel shows because I think like initially when we did sign up for Disney Plus, we did it because of like WandaVision and Loki and all that stuff. And I was like, when is it finally going to come? So I think those are definitely my top two. Um, I mean, like, I want to say that, that those stood out the most. Oh, and I mean, some of the Star Wars stuff too, the Obi-Wan, especially bringing uh, Hayden Christensen. Yeah, there's some crazy stuff coming about. My my most the most uh my most excited about the Disney Plus edition is Sister Act Three with Ruby Goldberg. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that because you just like lost your mind, and I would never expect that out of everything that was released or announced yesterday that Brian would lose his shit over Sister Act Three. Right. But that, was, that did happen. Right. Yes, Susan and I <laughs> yeah. were on a Zoom call yesterday when this all was happening, and I think I just lost my mind. I blacked out when the Sister Act 3 news came out. He's just like, fuck yes, give it to me now. <laughs> That's pretty much what he said. <laughs> I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's happening. So, I mean, it's all over the news. Check, uh, just type in Disney Plus, and you'll probably see the crazy amounts of stuff that's all going to Disney Plus. So, mm-hmm. with over the next two or three years. So, a, I mean, you can't say that there's not a lot of content now. There's tons of original content. Definitely. So, moving on from that, uh, let's talk a little bit about the HBO Warner Brothers thing. I know we haven't done this show in a couple weeks, but in that time, Warner Brothers has made the decision to take all their theatrical movies, at least for 2021, and put them immediately on HBO Max the same day they are supposed to come out in theaters. So this all happened. We've been hearing blowback from basically one director, uh, Christopher Nolan. <laughs> and uh, but a lot of people were really happy about this. Uh, some of the actors and actresses, of course, are not happy about it because they won't get their profits on the back end. But um, I'm sure they'll work it out at some point. Uh, but, I mean, there's millionaires complaining. Uh, but, Susan – is this the right move? Do you like this? Do you think there's a little 50-50 in there of like, okay, you know, corporate needs to do what corporate does, but at least the fans are getting fucking movies next year. I, I'm 50-50 on it. I, this whole thing is always – because I, I just – I feel for the – like you said, like the actors and the studios and things like that. I mean, it's, this is a business. Like it, it does mess it up a little, but at the same time – they were piling up with these films, and what were they going to do? Release 20 movies in the same week? No, you can't. So it, I, I understand the logistics of it to go ahead and do this because then they can, like, spread these movies out because I knew this was going to happen. Like, we have basically – we've lost a year of all these movies that were supposed to come out starting in March, and I was like, how are they going to do this? There's not there's, – there's movies constantly being made. You, you have to spread them out. So I – I get why they're doing it. I will be interested to see how this will – I mean, you know, we'll start with Wonder Woman, and I, I, I'm excited for Wonder Woman. But it also sucks, too, because some of these movies, they deserve to be seen on the big screen. Like, I want to see Wonder Woman in theaters. I mean, I think pretty much every movie deserves to be on the big screen, but we're yeah. just not there yet. We can't no. put at least the big blockbusters that seat 500 people or more. Yeah. 
and have them go to the theater. You know, it just it can't. Right. And I'm so glad that Warner Brothers has done this and not charging for it like mm-hmm. Disney Plus did the extra thirty dollars on top of the subscription fee. I think. Well, we saw that that backfired, anyways. Right, right. Well, we we called that, or mm-hmm. yeah, we were just like, that's not going to work. So right. this is good. I think it's all about subscribers. I hope more people mm-hmm. do this at least for next year. It's just. We need to stay home. I mean, it's it's a thing. Um, so let's hope for the best. But I'm there with Susan. I want to be back in the theater just as much as you do. But mm-hmm. I'm very happy Warner just said, fuck it. Choke on all the movies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it does. It feels like I'm drowning in them. Yeah. So speaking of drowning in movies, yeah. being professional critics, Susan and I – this would be award season. We would be at the theater five times a week seeing, you know, Oscar bait, crazy shit, yeah. and then getting screeners in the mail, which we're doing here and there. We're getting some screeners in the mail here and there, but it's a lot of digital yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of digital stuff, and it's – we're fucking drowning in movies yeah. we've never seen or heard of before. I swear to you, I feel like this is more hectic than last year. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because of the, the distribution of the links. Links really stress me out because I like the DVDs. I like the DVDs or I like to go to the screening because, because it's easy. It's, it's easy. easy. Yeah, it's easy. There's always a glitch. Um, you got to go through like 10,000 loops to finally get access to your link. It's so frustrating. It it doesn't make it a joyous experience. And honestly, that does affect when it comes to voting time. Like, I'm going to remember the easy-peasy films that I could watch, like not the one that kept stopping while I was trying to watch it. It ruins my experience. No, I'm there with you. And you know me. I'm very outspoken about this. Yeah, the freaking I'm sick of our watermark. I'm yes. so sick of this like our name in the middle of the freaking movie. That's so annoying. Yeah, for most 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 of the time there's watermarks, but they're I mean they're barely they're they're visible, but it's not crazy. But there are a bunch of occasions where they put the title of the movie, the the company, the timestamp, the date, and your name in the center of the movie. And like, I can't watch this. Like, I yeah. I will message the filmmaker and it's like, I can't watch your movie because they did this. Like, I'm sorry, I want to watch it, but this is too much. That's and, why I like the DVDs so much more. They do a really good job on the DVDs just to put that thing that pops up every once in a while. Yeah, yeah for your consideration. That's all yeah. we need. Every once in a while, then it goes away for a few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yes, and like this is what we this is you know because we love being film critics we love doing what we do we have a pretty good job um, that we get paid for. There are bad sides to every job. This is one of them. And with COVID times and all these digital links, nobody is uh, agreeing on the same screening service. So there's like a dozen of them, and we have to get codes texted to us, email to us, passwords. And it and uh, two part authentication stuff. It's annoying, which you have to download two separate apps to do just to watch a movie. And it's exhausting. It, no, it is exhausting. It makes me not want to watch the movie. I just wish that anybody, everybody would just put it on Vimeo because mm-hmm. put it on Vimeo, it's like YouTube. It's safe. It's protected, and I just pull it up on the Apple TV right away. <laughs> it's really yeah, easy. Or just so, send the DVDs. I don't – I mean, they were doing the DVDs before. I don't know right. why they don't just do that. No, I agree. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're knee-deep in that, and, you know, since a lot of movies didn't come out this year, we're getting a lot of movies that 
what's this movie? You know, like yeah. we're, we're thinking to ourselves, like, I had never heard of this movie. What is this? Right. So there's a lot of that. Um, yeah. Feel our pain, people. <laughs> I, I know. I feel like we're such little brats right now. Oh, first world problems. We have these, like, free movies we get to watch before they come out. <laughs> like, right? I mean, I mean, like I said, it's with any job, there's, you know, bad parts to it. But I feel like this is such an easy thing to fix. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's, – it's part of our job, and we have to watch so many. And it would just make things a lot easier if the – to to be able to just watch it was easier. Like that's really the problem. But right. I mean, it's fine. We're we're okay, people. Yeah, we're okay. All <laughs> right. So moving on to our last little segment before we jump into our main event, it is Bachelorette time. Yeah. And yes. I love it. During COVID, Susan forced me to watch <gasps> The Bachelorette. Forced you? <laughs> Lies. Brian texted me and said he was all about this. He loved it. Don't even deny. Because I told him, I was like, if you don't like it, I don't want to talk about it with you. I really don't. Because this isn't This Is Us. We're not doing that shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny. So, Bachelorette, uh, it's been crazy. It's been good. Uh, You've been liking it. Yeah, we've been liking it. I've been liking it. The next week. Um, there will be a two-part episode Monday and Tuesday. We're getting two episodes in one We're week. We're getting two episodes. They're doing the hometown, and then they're doing the mentel all, which is um, not conventional. Sometimes they typically would do uh, – they go back and forth. Lately they've been doing it that way where they, they keep us on edge with the final three. But I love yeah. hometowns. So um, Tasia – Tasia. No. Tasia. Tasia. You always are like, what are you saying? Tasia. Tasia. Well, it's spelled T-A-Y-S-I-A, right? Uh, I guess it's, but it's, it's pronounced Tasia. Tasia. Okay. I, I'm, I'm overthinking the name here. Yeah. Tasia, I'm sorry. I like you. Um, so this, <laughs> there's been a lot of drama. First, we have to talk about the amazingly fun to watch relationship with this um, American psycho wealthy hedge fund finance guy named Bennett and this like twenty three year old guy named yeah. Noah who just got out of college basically is all about fun and games. They clashed heads. <laughs> Okay, I will say this because I do listen to Bachelor podcasts, and Noah was on it and on one of them, and he's actually a nurse. He is yeah, on the front nurse, lines. Yeah. yeah, he's a traveling and nurse. He, I, I will say, it did give me a little bit of more respect for the guy. I think he's, you know, hamming it up for television, but I think he's not as like immature and maybe he's a better dude than we think. But oh my God, Bennett is psychotic. Like. I hate to say it, like, he's entertaining. Well, he was entertaining, but now it's getting to a point of, like, okay, dude. Like, what, what He's what clearly the wealthiest bachelorette, bachelor this season, or, like, the date this season. Because, oh, this season, yeah. Yeah, this season, mm-hmm. uh, who's vying for the love. Because they even showed it that, I guess... They pay for their lodging at this place, but I guess he paid for himself to have, like, the extra, like, suite. <laughs> yeah, he has the Chateau Bennett or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, it's really funny. But, no, he's 
he he seems sweet and genuine, but there's things about him that like long term are just whoa, this is American psycho type stuff. I just I wouldn't necessarily like even though he seems sweet, he seems like I hate to think I feel like I would be really scared to be in a relationship with him because I, I worry he's got controlling tendencies and I actually feel like he's the type of person that might even uh, he's very condescending, so he could emotionally abuse his, like, person. And I don't want to throw that out there. I mean, I don't know the guy, but it's just what you're – from what we're seeing, he doesn't foreshadow a healthy relationship. He makes no. me nervous. Like, no, I would be so yes. nervous and uncomfortable around him. For sure. And so Noah and Bennett, opposite worlds, have been clashing heads for a while, and it all came to a head – <laughs> the last couple episodes where they yeah. uh Taisha called them out, had them sit together in a room, hash it out, where Bennett gave Noah a gift of three things. <laughs> that was see, that to me was just I'm like, did producers set him up to that or what? Because it was how could he think that that was nice? I mean, the the bandana, maybe, no bad blood. But Saying the, socks. <laughs> mu- the, the mustache socks to say, like, uh, that's where the only place a mustache should be when he knows he had a mustache. And then the book on emotional intelligence. I mean, dude. It was a so dick insulting. move. Yeah, yeah, it was a dick move. So they talked about Tasia coming back in there and uh, was supposed to give a rose to one of them. Well, she didn't end up giving a rose to any of them, but she let Noah stay. And sent Bennett home. Home. However, what happened? Mm-hmm. Bennett comes back in the most, can I say, the most genuine reaction from Tasha. by the way, whenever she's, like, coming out of the pool door and she sees Bennett. Like, that door literally hits her back. Really hard, like, too. Yeah. Whoa. Like, <laughs> she was like, what? What are you doing here? Like, I, that was that was a great reaction. Um, producers brought him back 100%. That dude is not staying. He came back. He says I love you to her. What? That was the biggest Hail Mary I've ever seen in my life. That guy is not in love with her. He wants to win the prize, and he's not going to because she's going to send him home next week. She will probably let him stay till the rose ceremony and send him home again. Yep, which will be great. Two-time yeah. loser. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, well, it's more airtime for him, which I'm sure he enjoys. He can get more followers and all that stuff. And he'll definitely be in paradise. When they have paradise again, he is paradise gold. But I'm, I've am i lost my interest in Bennett. Yeah, me too. And we were sad to see Easy go, which I yeah. uh, liked Easy. I did uh, like Easy. He was Easy. just a genuine, fun dude. I knew he. I knew he. Uh, he Was shot him back in. Yeah. yeah. Well, honestly, and okay, and we're. I want to talk about who you think are going to be your final four, but I can always figure this out with the leads based on their physical chemistry with the the contestants. Who are they kissing? Who are they making out with? Who are they drawn to? Who's their like body gravitating to? And I think this season it's very clear. I mean, Tasia has great conversations and connections with every guy she's really good at that but her physical is obvious so and I I think there's four guys that she is super like physically and emotionally connected to okay and and easy was not one of them right easy was not one of them no um so first off Susan if you were on this show as the bachelorette 
would you be able to or would you find it fun uh, to go on multiple dates with people and then make out with all of them like within a span of a few minutes? No. That's not me. <laughs> uh, not not that many. Maybe two. Maybe two guys. If if I was if it was just like two guys, like I was, maybe I would be okay with that. But I don't know. I've told you that this is why it'd be really hard for me because I would if I clicked with one guy, I don't know if my heart could honestly be in it. Like with definitely not four, let alone 30 guys. That yeah. that would never happen. But I could see myself clicking with two guys and being, uh, like, attracted to them. But I, I just – that is the one thing that would be really hard, especially when they do these group dates and she's, like, kissing, like, ten of them. I, I yeah. couldn't – could you? No, no. It's weird yeah. to me. It's this yeah. really – like, I try to put myself in her, in her shoes as a as – a, uh, point of like, okay, can I really separate and just be really focused on this person and not think about anybody else? Mm-hmm. And that's really difficult to do when literally, you know, 30 feet away, there's 29 other people <laughs> waiting Please. for you. And then you go do the same thing. You're having the same conversations for the most part. And you start kissing. And you're just like, I mean, and even with a guy, um, you know, if the, if the guy's the bachelor and all these women are wearing lipstick, I mean, yeah. he's constantly rubbing the lipstick off of them. Like, I don't I'm know. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure producers got like a wipe to, to yeah. clean it off before the next one. But yeah, like it's 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 weird. I mean, that's that's, that's the, the whole thing of the show. Yeah. That's the show, right? Like, I I couldn't do it. I really couldn't because that's right. just another part that would be really hard for me to do. But I mean, like I said, Tasha is really good though. Of compartmentalizing, I don't know if that's the right word, but, um, you know, like her relationship, she's making sure that they're each, like when she's with the guys, she does a great job of me thinking, oh, she's connecting, she's clicking with him, she likes him, but she very clearly likes other guys more. Yeah. So. Right. All right. So going on with the ones we think are going to be the end show. So top four for hometown. Who do you think your top four We may have the same one. So top four, Ben, Blake, Brendan, Ivan. Whoa, Blake? Yep. You think the top four is Brendan, Blake, Ivan, and Ben. Ben. Okay. So Not Bennett, but Ben. No, no, I know. But I'm shocked by Blake because my prediction is Blake is going home on his one-on-one next week. Oh, so you think so. Okay, so I just think – I mean he's still there. He's getting the one-on-one. He might go home, but I think he's really into her, and I know he's – I mean he's fun. You know, he made the the dick artwork thing, which was funny, but I mean – I don't know. I just think that she might have a good time with him, you know? Interesting. That yeah, is so very interesting. I, I know it, it's the one call I've left field because I chose Blake over Zach. So. You, I'm, that's what I'm shocked about because I feel like she is so into Zach. I, I think she really likes Zach a lot. Um, so my top four is actually I think she's going to go with Zach, Ivan, Brendan, and Ben. If okay. there was anything this last episode, she was like Ben just notched himself up like he's right. front runner material right now. But so Blake's the odd man out. But I'm going to you know okay. do that big spread. I'm going to take you know 
the, the, the 400 to one and go with Blake here. Very interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> I, I don't see it, <laughs> but <laughs> by all means, because I think she, uh, She's very physically attracted to the other three. I would probably say Ivan is in fourth place of the of yes. the four because she seems way more attracted to the the other guys. She kisses them more. But um, so that brings me to my next question: Who are your top two for her? Um, so I'm gonna say Ben and Zach. Okay, Ben and Zach is who you think she will pick as her top two. Yes. Okay, so. I could definitely see that. Um, I My personal top two would be Ben and Brendan. Actually, I think Brendan is personally, like, I think our best match. I like the way they conversate. Like, I think they just have a really – he's the most real to me, and they just have very easy flow when they talk. But I, I did really like Ben in this one. Yeah. I I don't know. I don't know between those three. Well, honestly. So with my predictions, I'm a rookie here. I'm a virgin mm-hmm. with this show. This is the first time I've ever watched it, and you've watched it for a long time. How yeah. am I doing in picking? I guess minus Blake, but I mean. Minus I'm, Blake, it, it's not bad. And I don't think – I think your top two is good because I could see that. I really could. After this, like I could – hundred percent see her picking uh Ben and Zach. I could see her picking Zach at the end of, I could see either one of those three her picking. Like I I feel like there's always gonna be a soft spot for Brendan because he was her first one on one date and it was they, they share the divorce in common. But she shares the divorce in common with Zach too. And right. I think she does like that. I think she likes that thing that they have in common. But she also really likes Ben and his um she seems to like that, like, wounded soul, so. Yes. I don't know, honestly. I Personally, my favorite number one who I'd want with her is Brendan, if I'm picking my personal one. But okay. as far as who she's going to pick, I'm going to say dead even on those three because I cannot – I need another episode. Need another episode. I need another episode. Who's your Who's your number one favorite, like, your preference? Ben. Ben's your number one. Yeah. Okay. Ben's your number one. But you, who do you think she'll pick? Who? Uh, it's, it's, it's early. It's between you don't Ben and Zach. So, okay. I mean, I could see her liking Zach more, but he might be too much of a wild card with his past, so maybe Ben. Okay. Yeah. My worry, too, is that she picks somebody, and I could see this really happening. She picks someone, they don't get engaged, and that they'll date, and it doesn't work out. I'm worried about that, too. Yeah. Definitely happens. Could happen. We'll see. It's a good season, though. No, it's a crazy season. I'm glad I got in on it. Uh, I'm Mm -hmm. glad you're forcing me to watch this. I'm not forcing you. (laughs) (laughs) We can Uh, stop any (laughs) time. I'll never hear the end of it. Um, The Bachelorette on two nights next week. Starting Monday now. Back to Monday. Monday. So they're doing an episode Monday and an episode Tuesday, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now that Dancing with the Stars is over, I guess. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, I guess we'll be texting about that. But let's move on to our main event. It is a holiday season. It is Christmas. It is Hanukkah. The holiday is here. Oh, my goodness. 
Let's start out here with favorite holiday movies that we have to watch. Do you want me to go first, Susan? Yeah, you go first. You go first. Okay, we're just talking movies here. My movies, you know, being me, I guess, I have maybe a little few different holiday movies, but um, Eyes Wide Shut is my favorite all-time Christmas movie. It is the ultimate Christmas movie. It is. not a Christmas movie. It is. The movie is all about the story of Christmas and feel good and family and love. Oh we don't God. have time Somebody... to talk about it today, but oh I have God. a whole like dissertation on Iron oh, Shut and being the Lord. perfect Christmas movie. I cannot. I, I someone is literally like their head is exploding to, to <laughs> listening to your explanation of Eyes Wide Shut. If you have seen Eyes Wide Shut, I am sorry that you're like. I, I feel like someone's gonna get a like a child is gonna be like, mommy. I heard this guy talk about Eyes Wide Shut as a great Christmas movie. Can we watch it? And then yes, and they then it's it's madness. It's madness. <laughs> um, I'm gonna go with Lethal Weapon, the original Lethal Weapon movie. Um, okay. You know, it takes place at Christmas, and it shows two uh, people who don't really like each other end up forming a great bond. They invite each other over for Christmas dinner at the end. It's really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Gremlins is up there, which has the all-time funniest, most tragic Christmas stories ever, um, with Phoebe Cates' dad trying to pretend to be Santa Claus and getting stuck and dying in the chimney, <laughs> which is really funny. Uh, love Actually. Love this That's movie one. so That's much. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, my, my um, nostalgic one, A Christmas Story. Ernest Saves Christmas, which I saw in the theater when it first opened, and one that's not particularly an amazing movie, but it's just kind of fun, and I like to have it on, and it's Mm -hmm. really different because it mixes high schools, musicals, zombies, and Christmas, uh, Anna and the Apocalypse. That's a Christmas movie? Oh yeah, no, it's it's all Christmas songs, it takes place at Christmas, it's zombies, high school, musical, Christmas movie. Anna okay. and the Apocalypse. And it's super fun. Uh, if you can find it on streaming, uh, please do that. It is uh, – it's really good. It's like it's like basically high school musical at Christmas with zombies. <laughs> all right. Okay. What about you? <laughs> it just, all right. I do actually have some, like, favorite Christmas movies I love to squeeze in there every year. Uh, I I do – I used to love the animated Grinch movie. It was really short, but now I'm I'm such a sucker for the Jim Carrey live adaptation one. Um, I really love that song, Where Are You Christmas? And it's I, – I, I watched that one in theaters, and I just thought it was so good. Um, I like Elf. That's a great one. Uh, I also really love one, one that I plan on definitely watching this year that I skipped last year, uh, A Family Stone. That'll make me ball every time, but it is so <laughs> good. It's like one of my – easily in my top five Christmas movies. Um, God, I feel like I'm forgetting one before I say my, like, number one. I don't want to – trying to double check. Love Actually is in there. I think that's a really good one. And I think – Home Alone in there? Not like a favorite, oddly enough. I mean, it's good, but it's not one that I would necessarily have to to repeat 
to watch. I'm trying to think of your what would your favorite one would be. I mean, obvious. Oh, child, you're not going to guess it. Oh, okay. It's like obvious. <laughs> child's not Christmas. No. <laughs> Breakfast Club's not Christmas. No, no. I'm trying to double check if I'm missing anything from like my childhood. Because that's the one thing I feel like I appreciated a lot more um, as I got older. Because the only thing I remember watching every year as a kid was they would always air the animated Grinch episode, and I made sure to watch that on, like, whatever channel it was. Cartoon Network had it. ABC had it. Um, But, okay, yeah, no, I think – so my number one all-time favorite is actually While You Were Sleeping with Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. Oh, I like that movie. I love it so much. That's – Bill Pullman, right? Yeah, Bill Pullman. Mm -hmm. Um, And Bill Paxton. Sure. Yeah, uh, it is so good. It is I can watch that like all year round. But I love watching it at Christmas. It's uh, it's on Disney Plus, but I also have the DVD, so whatever. But such a great movie, and I will definitely be watching it again. Um, I love it. It's kind of a really when you think about it, kind of a fucked up movie. Oh yeah, no, it's super fun. Every time I watch it, and I made Trevor watch it recently this year, and he was like, "What?" And I'm like, just go with it. It's not. Come on. She's like, she, and I and I cry in that movie every year too, just because I feel for. She's lonely. She she's just. It's so beautiful how she, this family just takes her in, so like willingly, just because they assume that's their son's fiance, and she's she just fits right. In. And she, I love I love the line in the film when she was like, I just I fell in love with you, and it's like you fell in love with me. No, I fell in love with all of you, and I haven't had this for so long, and. It just reminds you again that Christmas is all about time with your family. and Which is exactly what Eyes Wide Shut is about. No, it's not. Ew, don't even compare it to this <laughs> amazing film. We're going we're gonna to do a podcast on Eyes Wide Shut, and I'm going to go through my my reasons and everything. And I, I bet you, dollars to donuts, Susan, you will, you, you will see the light. No, I don't think so. Oh, well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> All right, let's move to the best TV show episodes based on Christmas. There's a lot of them. Do you want me to go first again? You can go first. I probably won't have as much as you. All right, first off, the original Tales from the Crypt um, show. Their very first episode they ever did was called and, and All Through the House, and it uh, focused on a serial killer dressed as a Santa coming to attack a woman um, at Christmas time on Christmas, which is very, uh, very scary. It is uh, silly and scary all at the same time. Uh, the first Christmas episode of the Wonder Years where they try to convince uh, their dad to buy a color TV, which was really great. Um, there was a Boston Legal episode called The Nutcrackers, which was really sweet and moving and funny. Uh, Arrested Development um, had a great Christmas episode, which had the really funny sequence of uh, Michael and uh, maybe singing Afternoon Delight at the Christmas party together, which was an uncle and niece singing a song like Afternoon Delight. Um, Scrubs, my own personal Jesus from the first season where Turk loses his faith in God because of that. And there was the, like the birth outside, um, and Dr. Cox asked JD to video the birth of his friend, which was really good. Six Feet Under had a great Christmas episode called The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, which was the anniversary of Nate Sr.'s death, and it focused on a motorcycle guy who um, worked as a mall Santa 
he died, and it forced Nate Jr. to confront his past. It was really good. Of course, South Park, Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh, fantastic. Um, the first Simpsons episode ever, The Simpsons mm-hmm. Roasting on an Open Fire, where it shows how they got Santa's little helper, little the dog. Mm-hmm. Um, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Twist the Night Before the Christening, where Will Smith from Philly says, hey, man, I got Boyce and Men to play at the christening. And, of course, he didn't. But what happens? Boyce and Men shows up at the end to sing. It's pretty awesome. Uh, and then, of course, um, The Office, Secret Santa, Michael getting his own iPod again <laughs> is pretty fantastic. Uh, yeah. uh, those were my TV shows. Susan, what about you? Okay. I got quite a bit now in my head here. Um, so – Family Matters has one. I don't know what it's exactly titled, but I remember it was Laura. They gave away her old doll. This was in one of the older seasons. Uh, they thought it was could be given for donation, but Steve, uh, he finds it for her. And it was always nice because of how mean she always was to him. I always loved when they had these moments where Laura and Steve got along. Obviously, they end up together in the by the end of it, but... I I really like that was like an early moment where she appreciated him and thought he was just like it was really sweet. Uh, there was an episode of Sabrina as well. There was a Christmas one, Sabrina's Teenage Witch, um, with Melissa Joan Hart, not this new one. Um, but Salem runs away and they like find him and it was that was a really cute one. Uh, Simpsons, actually my favorite Simpsons Christmas. I love the one where uh, Bart steals the video game. Bone Storm or something like that. Yes. That one cracks me up so much. I just, I love that episode in general, but I crack up because, do you remember the kid in the store who's like an absolute ass to his mom? Yes, I do. That is like the most hilarious thing to me. She's like, he's like a jerk to her. And then as Bart is getting like taken out, like, uh, like because he stole the video game, that mom is like, Oh, what those parents must be so ashamed, like how they brought him up. And then his, her son is like, "Shut up, mom, you idiot!" <laughs> like, <laughs> I just, I always crack. He's like such a jerk, and his mom is just like, "Okay, sweetie." Um, but I mean, that was a good episode in general. I can't remember. Like, he he gets something for Marge that he actually like paid for or something. Uh, but that episode. I I do actually like I make sure to watch there's an episode of Say by the Bell where the they're like working at the mall and Zach meets this homeless girl and her dad they're both like living in their car and it, they do this like they have this little um a Christmas carol plot in there and it's just it's sweet I mean it's a little ridiculous just cuz Zach like falls for this girl and like two hours and um, like goes above and beyond for her, but it's, and we never see these characters again, but it's a, it's a really good like Christmas story. And then I, oh God, there's an episode of Roswell. Did you ever watch that show? Never watched Roswell. I watched um, X-Files, which I know they had a great Christmas episode, but never Uh. watched well, Roswell has a really great Christmas episode in season two where uh, – because Roswell, they're, they're aliens. And Max, the main character, one of his powers is healing. 
And there's this, I mean, I just cry every time. There is this scene where he goes to this hospital ward. He just happens to be in there. He, his mission is just to, like, restore the balance and save one kid that was, like, sick. But he's in this room, and it's all these kids that are in this, like, cancer ward or whatever. And it drains his energy, but he saves all the kids. And it's, oh, it's so sweet. It's so sweet. Um, and is that Oh, well, and just to reiterate, yes, that episode of The Office with the, the Secret Santa in season two, so freaking funny yeah, and good. Yeah, because there's a lot of really good Office, Office Christmas, Christmas episodes, but that one is just so funny. That's always the best one. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, since you're doing Buffy the Vampire Slayer, did you get to the Christmas episode yet? Because that's a pretty good one, too. The one, like, from season three? I think it was oh. season three. There was a season three where, like, I know, like, Faith wasn't fully bad yet and, like, uh-huh. they invite her over, but they haven't stood out for me or anything as far as a, a big Christmas episode. Well, there you go. There you go. Um, TVs, movies, Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any uh, big traditions in your family, Susan, for Christmas that you do celebrate that you have to do every year? Yes. I actually can be quite, like, very – when it comes to Christmas, it's my favorite day of the year. So I get very, like, itinerary, like, we're doing this, this, and this. This is the – or, like, this is the plan. Like, everyone is pretty nice to me about the fact of how, like, uh, like maybe tightly wound I get when it comes to Christmas. But I've loosened up a bit. Uh, I used to be like, we need to wake up at 10 o'clock by the tree. We don't. We can't do that anymore. But uh, we all. By the time we all arrive, if I if I'm able to get there earlier or stay the night, um, I love waking up on Christmas morning and helping my mom. We do a Christmas brunch uh, where we. Uh, oh, I guess we'll get into food later. But we do a Christmas brunch, and um, after that, we open presents. We do stockings, and then the kids, meaning like not the. Young and kids, but like me, Trevor, my siblings, my brother's wife, like we go to a movie. It used to be the whole family, but now that we have the grandkids, my parents will stay with them and they'll just watch the kids while we go to a movie. So we, but we like to go to the movie theater. Unfortunately, we won't be doing that this year, but we do typically go to a movie. And then, uh, newly, uh, we always were go- we'd always go out to dinner anyways uh, for a really long while it was TGI Fridays that we'd go cuz not a lot of restaurants are open on christmas but now our favorite we love to go to Jin- uh yeah Jinbei Jinbei is such a great christmas dinner awesome awesome mm-hmm. what about you um yeah the, the hanukkah, hanukkah the hanukkah traditions um you know of course, lighting the candles every night, saying the prayers, opening up a gift. Um, there's usually definitely latkes made, um, and there's challah and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, usually – well, I mean, usually the Hanukkah, the Jews uh, on Christmas Day go see a movie and go eat Chinese food. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of Caravelle or May Dragon and Addison or um, – Jang Chi in Richardson. Oh, Jang Chi's good. We love that. But place. that was old school. But like now, so many restaurants are always open on. So it kind of changed. Like I know Champ Sports Bar used to do that too. But there was always type of that thing, and there was always like one day where we would, 
you know, all get together with the whole family and do like a gift exchange, you know, make the big, you know, brisket and latkes and applesauce, sour cream, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always good. Um, so those are kind of like the traditions, you know, Hanukkah, most people know that holiday that are not Jewish, but it's kind of like the lesser holiday out of all of them. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I still look forward to it. Like, and you know, I have my Hanukkah bush out, my Hanukkah, the dreidels, you know, yeah. you know, slinging that dreidel, get some money, <laughs> get the chocolate coins and shit. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's very uh, entertaining for sure. Eight crazy yeah. nights is a real thing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you're kind of ready, like, oh, fuck, is this over yet? It's eight days. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, can you imagine doing Christmas for eight days with family? And it's like, it's a, it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot. It is. And last year, actually, we had to spread Christmas out a bit just because, um, like, scheduling conflicts, like, with our two families. And yeah. I, was thinking, I was like, no, nah, I love it when we do Christmas Eve and Christmas Day and, like, knock it out that way. Because I just, I feel like those are the two days for, like, that's Christmas. <laughs> Okay, so food-wise, Christmas, are there must-haves food for you on Christmas? And what are they? Well, I have to give it – because once I started dating Trevor, I love what his family does. They are – they do hors d'oeuvres, and I love it. Um, So – and his mom just recently started making, like, shrimp cocktail. But we always typically had some shrimp cocktail, seven-layer dip, um – Maybe like the queso or some meatballs or something. But with my family, with the brunch, I love having the pigs in a blanket. That's mm. my favorite of it is the pigs in the blanket. Um, why, hash browns. Why are pigs in a blanket so damn good? They're so damn good, and I can eat a shit ton of them. Like, <laughs> I don't know. They're like chips to me. They're so good with mustard. I got to have mustard, though. Yes. But, um And so, yeah, we of the, of the brunch food, I love having the pigs in the blanket. Some form of hash brown. We've been trying to mix it up. I'm going to make like a hash brown casserole this year. But hash brown. And uh, starting a couple of years ago, my mom actually gets tamales from this like tamale place. And we get like, it's like beef tamales and also jalapeno cheese tamales. Um, they're so good. So those are those are my favorites at the brunch. And then just in general, obviously, we like to eat our candy at the movies that we get in our stocking typically. But uh and now I love having the Jinbei because it's like I think it's just such a really it's so satisfying. Good deal. That sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the fried potato pancakes, the, the latkes with yeah. the, uh, sour cream and applesauce. I prefer the applesauce. Really? Um, yes, it's so good. Um, I, there's usually some sort of tuna fish or um, chopped liver, which is amazing. Uh, sometimes brisket, uh, kugel. <laughs> I feel like I should do a voice like, oh God, there's kugel, <laughs> there's blitzes. Oh my God. <laughs> I've turned into my great aunt. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, cheese blintzes with amazing sauce on them. It's like a pastry with cheese. Uh, those are like the Hanukkah dishes that, uh, are the deal. I, but you know, I fucking love tamales on Christmas. Like my Mm -hmm. favorite thing. Um, 
if I can convince every other Jew, it would definitely be ham on Christmas too, but I'm the only one. I'm the only <laughs> one out on that because I love ham. Yeah. Uh, yeah, those are like the big the big things. You know, we have our, you know, the gelt, the chocolate-covered coins and stuff like that. Uh, uh-huh. There's lots of desserts and pastries for sure. But, yeah, that's uh, – always look forward to latkes, you know, because, you know, you make them homemade – but they're kind of a pain in the ass to make because you got to like chop up the potatoes really fine, you know, kind of like grated cheese and a little mm-hmm. bit of the onions and, you know, matzo meal and eggs. And you got to like make them, you know, flat and little balls and then you fucking deep fry them. So <laughs> that your house is going to smell like a deep fryer for a good while and it can get messy. So that's yeah. why they're not constantly made throughout the year but it's still fun to make them and you like you eat pigs in a blanket like mm. chips i eat latkes like chips i can see that i i love potatoes i mean i feel like they're not too far off from hash browns so no, they're ba- they're hash browns but just yeah, like, in, like and, circular editions of it <laughs> and i love hash browns so me too especially mm-hmm. mcdonald's hash browns and their oh, those are shapes. good good so good. Um, all right. So those those are our foods for sure. Um, so presents, the best memories of presents that you got growing up and now. Gosh, I mean, I can just think, I mean, obviously when I was a kid, I loved getting a new Barbie. I was very basic that way of any Barbie. I will never forget, actually, there was this one time I felt really bad. I did this to my – this was probably just around the time when my brother was really buying me presents, too. And I saw that there was, like – it was a VHS. It was wrapped. It was definitely a VHS. But there was no – because I used to go to the treat, and I just liked to see – how many presents I got. So I'd like to see the to and from. And I saw one of them, it didn't look like there was, there was no name. There was no name on it. I was like, what is this? Whose is this? <laughs> and I mean, honestly, it was shitty. I was so young, but I just, it was before Christmas. It was days before Christmas. And I just opened it and it was the Power Rangers movie, the like VHS of the Power Rangers movie. I was like, <gasps> and I was like, and my brother got so mad. He was like, what did you do? And I was like, <laughs> I didn't know who this was for. So I was trying to see, like, what this was because there's no name on it. He's like, you don't just open the present. I was like, that, that was for you, from me. Like, you don't just do that. And I was like, well, now that it's open, can I watch it? <laughs> like, <laughs> he was so mad because I didn't know. <laughs> I felt really bad. Like, I, I could tell he probably was really excited he got that for me. And How old I, were you? I mean, probably second grade. Oh, my God. A little second grade Susan. Paper Oh, and I did. Like, my parents calmed him down, and I was like, yeah, I just, I really want to watch And I watched it. I remember just feeling like, I think back now, I'm like, God, that was so fucked up of me. I should, he should have taken it away. He should have been like, no. <laughs> no, he should have been like, oh, okay, this, oh, you got it. Let's watch it together. Let's Let's spar each other. Oh, yeah, like he wanted to sit through that shit. <laughs> like, uh, but, no, I mean, he was cool about it. But uh, other than that, I mean, Barbies, one gift that I remember I was really impressed with my mom, back when, 
I think it was Virgin Records. Was that what was in Grapevine Mills Mall? Was it a Virgin Records there? I mean, there were Virgin Records everywhere, but I don't know if there was one in Grapevine Mills. It might have been there. I think that's what it was. It was this really cool, like, they had records, movies, CDs, all that stuff. And my mom and I would always go to Grapevine Mills and shop. And one time we were uh, walking through it, and there was this, like, special VHS again. This is Britney Spears. I'm a huge Britney Spears fan. To this day, I still love her. I don't care if she's a little nutty right now. But there was this VHS of, like, her – it had the highlights of her on Saturday Night Live. It had, um, like, appearances that she had made. It was a really rare thing. I was like, what is this? And I just pointed it out to my mom. I was like, oh, Britney. And I don't know how she did it. But somehow she went back and bought it without me ever noticing it because when I opened that gift that year, I was genuinely shocked. I was like, oh, my God. I didn't ask for it. I just pointed out. She's like, baby, I went back, and I got it for you right, really fast, really fast. And I was like, yay. And I, I really love that tape for a while. I still have it, but um, I just remember that. That was really cool. So really small things back then, but now I would say one of the best gifts I got was actually Trevor and I's first Christmas. He, he got me some Kendra Scott earrings that I, those were my first like two pairs of Kendra Scott's. And he also got me the, um, the entire series of Parks and Rec, like on DVD, which I was like, Oh yeah. I mean, I love that show. And uh, there's some other stuff that he, one of the things that he got me was I love to look at menus. I love just on my free time, even if I've been to the place before, I'll just like go to it again and just look at menus. It's really fun for me. And he made me a binder of like menus, some where he like drew, drew things on there. And it was, it was really thoughtful. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah. I like it. I like Mm -hmm. it a lot. Um, mine growing up, um, my parents got me for Hanukkah one time, a bowling set and it was like plastic pins and a plastic ball. I mean, I must've been like five or six and I used to roll it down the hallway and set it up in the kitchen. I had a ball doing that. Uh, Also got me this thing called star stage and it was kind of like, they had this base and it had like this big pole and a microphone that simulated like uh, like a microphone echo. And then if you s- stepped on the base a couple of th- it lit up like in like lights and like flashing lights. Uh-huh. And I would perform concert singing for everyone. I was a, wow. I was a ham uh-huh. uh, back in the day for sure. I loved that so much. Uh-huh. Uh, another one when I got when I was – uh, how old was I? Maybe, you know, in my early teens, my aunt and uncle got me a 1959 uh, Sandy Koufax baseball card in mint condition. Nice. Which was pretty awesome when I was collecting cards. It's pretty crazy. Um, and my parents also got me this keytar for Hanukkah. I wish I still had it. It was red. <laughs> was a keytar man a keytar a keytar like I thought that was just like a persian thing my dad has one of those oh really no it had like a wawa uh, little um lever and every it was it was badass <laughs> i wish i still had it yeah um now um yeah one of the um first gifts i got uh with Farah, um she got me uh 
human centipede coasters from Thailand. Yeah, those are cool. Those are cool. Oh, I mean, I think that was the first night of Hanukkah that year, and I was like, uh-huh. I don't need anything else. <laughs> like, well, damn it, if I knew that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I really loved that. Um, and so there's only been one um, one night of Hanukkah this year, but it's it was awesome. I got this record that I – didn't really know existed, mm-hmm. but it does. And so it's called Cannibal the Musical, and it's a soundtrack. And it is Trey Parker and Matt Stone's first film they ever did in college. And it's a trauma movie, and it's basically a musical about Alfred Packer, the uh-huh. uh, kind of cannibal guy. And it's – I mean this is before South, South Park. Park. This is before all of that. Uh, but it's it's pretty spectacular. Uh-huh. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, but all the gifts are really good. So yeah, those are those are ones that stick out in my memory, for sure. Uh, I love it. Um, nice. No, those are some great things. gifts. Yeah, well, for sure. Yeah, loved it. Um, so moving on from that uh, to round this out. Are there any Christmas albums that you like? Because I have a few that I love. Because there's not really many Hanukkah albums. You have Adam Sandler. Yeah. And you have, you know, Dreidel, 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 and a few other things. But uh-huh. nothing like Christmas albums. Do you want me to go first? I have yeah, four. you can go first. Oh, yeah, right. four. Okay. Yeah, okay. Jackson 5 Christmas, all-time best Christmas album ever. Uh, the Beach Boys Christmas album, fantastic. Elvis Presley Christmas and Charlie Brown Christmas. My oh, four wow. favorites. Okay. Wow. Even though I do own like New Kids on the Block Christmas album, which is amazing, and mm-hmm. I like some of the uh, kind of like the one-offs, like uh, Lemmy from Motorhead did some Christmas music, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my other my other runner-up, Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt Keeper did an entire Christmas album, which is amazing. So there you oh, go. Oh, okay. Uh, like that stuff. What about you? Um, I will probably be Mariah Carey's album the one where where the all i want for christmas started i don't know what it's called but definitely that i would listen to that like every year um and i like the in sync uh in holiday album mostly for that one song but i you know merry christmas it's so good uh and i love probably my favorite besides the my carry is really close up there but every like I'll probably wear it down pretty soon. But Glee had some, like, for a while there, they were releasing, like, Glee Christmas albums. The second volume, every single song on that CD is so freaking good. Uh, but, yeah, those are probably my, my top three. Sweet deal. So now, Susan, on to our blind watch, which was my week. I picked it. Weren't you excited? Yeah. I'm always dreading your blind watches, to be honest. <laughs> this was another one that went, literally when I read this one, I was, I think I texted you like, ugh, all right. <laughs> Susan was not happy about this blind watch at all. I don't no. know why. It looked good. It's gotten good reviews. Uh, but this movie is called Low Life, came out in 2017. It 
premiered at Fantasia International Film Festival, which is like the godfather of genre movie festivals. So Susan and I go to Fantastic Fest in Austin, but the big granddaddy of all those types of festivals is Fantasia, and this movie premiered there. It was directed by Ryan Prose, uh, or Prowls. I'm not sure if I'm uh, pronouncing his name directly. It was written by, ooh, like a ton of people, five <laughs> people to be exact, including Ryan Prose. And it stars, uh, you know, it stars one recognizable actor to me at least, and maybe to Susan, that's Nikki Michaud, who's been in a ton of stuff, including Six Feet Under um, and whatnot. But everybody else uh, is new to me. And this movie can be described maybe as like a pulp fiction weaving of tales type of movie that has violence and a luchador and gangs and other things where all these stories converge into one. Uh, But yeah, we're going to talk about that. So first off, Susan, low life for you. Um, you kind of said to everybody what you initially thought, but once you got into it, what were your expectations? And when we finished the movie, what was uh, the result? Okay, right when we started it, I was in hell. So <laughs> I was like, because it's such, like, I just was not in the headspace for like, I mean, I guess it's not spoiling it, but you know, they just, they just start out with such obviously like going after like an illegal family, I guess, if you want to call them that and like pretending to be ice and kidnapping this innocent family and murdering some people and then kidnapping a young girl and putting her as a sex slave. It's, it just that's how it starts. Oh, and then it's like extremely graphic and bloody and gross. And I'm just miserable right there. Right there, I'm just like, are you kidding me? I Susan's in hell. When she says bloody and gross, there's like like a surgical oh. type of scene taking out organs and stuff. And I was, and as I was watching this, texting with Susan because we watch it together live. I just thought to myself, oh God, she's going to kill me and never want to do this again. <laughs> but secretly, I'm just like, yes, this is what I'm here for. <laughs> oh, man. No, I was just like, Ugh. and then it, for me, the film just, I, I don't mind. I, I love Pulp Fiction. I don't think it weaved itself very well. I think it, there was something, it didn't have the, the right flow with all the, the, pieces i mean i guess it kind of comes together at the end but getting there was very choppy to me and just felt off okay okay no i i see your point there i could because it does feel choppy it does not have the same type of flow as pulp fiction i said pulp fiction just because it has different characters in different situations that all kind of come together or run into each other throughout the movie and different uh not time periods, but like different parts of the movie mm-hmm. where you really can't tell an ending from a start or whatever. Um, and it's, I think it's, it's well done that way, but I just think, I mean, this movie's pretty ambitious in its storytelling and this is, I mean, Pulp Fiction was an indie film, but there's a lot of recognizable stars there and you have Tarantino. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here you can see the elements of Tarantino here. There's like the dark humor, the bloody violence, the dialogue. You know, it's 
It's here. Yes, it is. It is. And I don't know. It just something was missing for me, and it just was some of the acting is bad. Some of it is not the best acting. Um, some of the, I don't know, the script is just, it's just not the strongest script. I, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of just, it wasn't, it wasn't my film. However, there was a light, a, a silver lining in that movie, and that was the character of Randy, who once he came in, I think I finally just, I, well, I, I could breathe a little easier because he was funny. Well, I, I think so. This character she's talking about, Rand. So, I mean, so what the before we get into Randy, the movie basically uh, follows a group of people, mainly focusing on this luchador guy who wears a res- pro wrestling mask the whole movie, and his name is El Monstro. El Monstro, right. um, and he his past, his father and grandfather played this character, this wrestling character too, but in. The uh, in the neighborhoods and in the city, they were known for taking um, like being like a vigilante hero, like they helped people out in need. Well, this current monstro is not that. He kind of works for a mob a mob guy who's in horrible killing. human being. Yeah, horrible human being. Like most of the characters are pretty terrible in this movie. Like uh, not terrible in a way, just terrible as. Uh, they do bad things in the movie. People, they're just bad. Like you don't like them. They're unlikable. Right. So the movie introduces all these characters where some become related. They're trying to find this kidnapped girl of this mother, um, and there the mafia guy is trying to work with the this uh, luchador and two other uh, like hitman, bumbling hitman trying to uh, score the, like, the drugs or the guns or whatever, whatever they're doing, um, and then uh, also get this girl, like, to, to the daughter. So the ultimate story arc, for the most part, is the luchador, who is just a vile human being, kind of have a turn to become good again. So that's kind of how the movie works. But then a character named Randy, like Susan said, comes in the picture, and he just gets out of jail. Like, he is seen leaving prison, and he comes out, and he is in baggy pants, baggy oversized shirt, uh, and he has a gigantic swastika tattooed over the entirety of his face. (laughs) And this dude is an angel like he is the like she said the silver lining the light of this movie the only thing i liked about the movie like once he came i could finally because the whole time we were texting i was just like complaining to brian and then i think there was some i can't remember what he did there was something he did and i remember laughing because brian uh, brian said he laughed at some points before that and i was like i have not laughed once this is not a comedy to me i don't know how this is a comedy and then randy comes in and i was like okay i've laughed now no, because part of its take itself, like, there's, like, really silly moments to it that would belong in maybe a Naked Gun type of movie, like a spoof movie, right? Yeah, but the problem is, like, I can't let go of the serious shit that is happening in the movie to be able to relax and laugh. Like, I'm thinking about these murders and, like, the murders and the rapes that are happening and the kidnappings, those seem, like so genuine and real like they don't make them like funny when they happen so 
usually those films, when you're having, if they have that naked gun field, then the, the murder is funny. Or, you know, the kidnapping is funny. They weren't. It was, like, dead serious. And then they're trying to make us laugh. I'm like, no, I'm not over watching that girl get raped. It's, it's, it walks a line of, like, the silly and the absurd and the violent and the drama. And it doesn't always keep its balance. Yeah. Yeah. And you're kind of like, okay, what kind of movie is this? Is it this one? Exactly. This one, where are you taking me? But I think the entity that bridges all of these is the Randy character because he's the only one you really care about. And he's like, he does good. And he has like, he's like the silent Bob of the movie where he has like (laughs) these profound pieces of dialogue. Yeah. and it's, it is, and as we were watching the movie, this Randy character was like, God damn it, this Randy character needs his own movie, this own spinoff, a prequel or a sequel. Actually, I would enjoy a sequel. Well, because something happens in the end that very much I would enjoy him more as what, how it ends, how it ends. And um, that's, yeah, I, I enjoyed him. I, I mean, that's what we were texting through the whole movie. I was like, he's the only thing I like about this. Thank God he came. Otherwise, I would have. There would be nothing for me for this with this movie. He's the only reason to watch it. So I mean, it's the only thing. But I mean, I, it was well shot for the most part. Like I mean, it yeah. is on a shoestring budget, but like yeah. the the practical effects are definitely gory and gross. Um, and the camera shots that he's doing are you know ambitious and cool. You know, something like you would see in early filmmakers that. You really, because a lot of film directors are actually not behind the camera. They're sitting in a chair watching a screen. I, I would imagine that this director actually was behind the camera and was like, look, we're doing this and we're doing these crazy camera shots, which is cool. That, that's a good point. It, it is shot well for an indie film. It's not, it's not a badly made film. The problem for me is the script, some of the acting, and the characters that they, and just like I said, the, the flow. I just, which comes from the script, you know, that's really, yeah. it, that's where it goes. Right, right, right. Um, it is, a, it's, it's a crazy movie. It is a, it's a. I mean, do you honestly, like, did, like, what would you rate it in all honesty as a movie? Not a side, like, you know, Randy is a 10, but what is the movie as itself? A 6.5 out of 10, maybe. Okay. Like something like that. Like there, there's a lot of good stuff there, and I think there's not a lot of movies made like this. And this dude did not care what any studio thought or anything. I mean, it is. I mean, you could see this premiered at uh, Fantasia. You can see this playing at Fa- Fantastic Fest. Like mm-hmm. people would eat it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 for a specific genre for like like an audience too that that would really love it. And obviously, the rating the, on Rotten Tomatoes it's really high. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'd probably give it somewhere between a five and a six, but. So, yeah. So listen, Susan was in hell and then was reborn on the upside of more than average. (laughs) Yeah. Like I said, that's that score. Any points I'm giving it is because of that character. So, and, and the ending and the ending. I did like the ending. Yeah. The ending is, it's, it's good, man. And it makes you want to be like, Oh, Let's do this sequel. I, I want this sequel right now. So, uh, because of this character, Randy, who, so the Randy character is played by a guy named John Oswald, who's just, um, 
you know, I'd never heard of him before, but I guess he's a voice actor. He's a musician, but he's also an, a great actor, which most things I haven't seen him anything except for low life. But now I want to, uh, I want to search out his other movies and TV shows because he was so good here. I feel like he was one of the only characters that knew what this movie was. He knew what his character was, I think. I think, like, he understood his character fully, so he was really believable, and that's why I enjoyed watching him and I can connect with him. But everybody else, like, I mean, there was other characters that they just, I felt like, I don't know, I just didn't get them. Like, I couldn't connect with them. Honestly, even, like, Kaylee and... Uh, I almost liked the hotel owner, but there was a point where she lost me. And it's just, I don't know, he fully embodies his character, owns it, and I, I don't know, you just get him. You just get him. Which is very weird because you're not really supposed to get or like uh, a character with a giant swastika tattooed on his face. Well, and, there's, and there's an explanation for that. There is a great explanation a for great it. There's one, so yeah. But he's also like an amazing person in this movie as he's yeah. doing these criminal activities for the most part. And it's just... It, oh, man, it just speaks wonders to, like, I feel like he was the most fleshed-out character. Yeah. Uh, and may, maybe he's, you know, maybe the movie was about him and more not about the luchador. I don't know, but yeah. uh, it's it's a pretty cool movie. It's uh, Low Life. It's on Hulu. Um, the music is by a guy named uh, Krang. Uh which, um, well, it's a band, kind of a band name, Krang, Belgium-based, but uh, they did the music for that movie Cooties in 2014, kind of like that zombie movie hmm. uh, with Elijah Wood and Rain Wilson and the kids. you remember that? No. Oh, wait. No, yes, I do. I remember it. I didn't watch it, but I know what it is now. So, yeah, the music, you know, is energetic and – uh, frantic here and there, but yeah, no, it's it's just got this kind of cool feeling, and like the poster art's really cool because it's got this like these bright poppy colors of the luchador mask, and just, it just says low life. And it's like, oh my god, what are we getting into? It sounds amazing because from the poster and maybe the trailer, you might think like, okay, is this like about a luchador that is like goes around saving the city like Batman, and it's mm -hmm. definitely not. <laughs> that's what I thought it was, and that's I was kind of disappointed. So I would think I would have liked that more. <laughs> I think that's what it would be in a sequel, and I think I'd like that more. <laughs> right, right, right. So I mean, at the end of the day, Susan, could you would you want to show this to friends of movies like like friends that have never seen this movie or like, hey, I got this crazy movie for you. It's not the best movie, but it's not terrible either. I, I don't know, like. I feel like really I'd want to show this to people because nobody has seen this. It would have to be a certain type of friends that I know would – because I, I think I would know people that would shut it off before they'd give it a chance. But I do know some people that would probably be totally into it. So it, it would just have to be depending on it, – it's got a specific audience. I think it really does. And it, it, it seemed like it more or less maybe won you over from the beginning when it reached its conclusion. By the end, like I said, because of the ending, yes. For the ending's sake, I that's why I think it's at least I would say it's worth the watch for because of like the redemption towards the end. So worth the watch. So that that's your recommendation. It's worth the watch on Hulu for free? Sure, yeah. Okay. 
Now, if they came out with, like, if you were a Blu-ray 4K collector, would you buy this on Blu-ray 4K? No. <laughs> no, not one of those? <laughs> not one of those. But I'm also just not, like, I try to limit my DVD collection. That's just, I, I, that's because, I like, I don't just, I'm very, at this point, selective with what DVDs I own. Because I realize I don't really pull out my DVDs that much because of Netflix and Hulu and all these streaming sites and stuff. So, it needs to be a movie that I know I'm going to, like, rewatch on the regular. Right, right, right. Oh, my. Oh and that my. one's just too tough to watch. That's why, more than anything. It's just so depressing in the beginning. <laughs> well, you know, that's our blind watch, Low Life. It's on Hulu. Um, you heard it from Susan yourself. Uh, she said she was in hell, and then she ended up liking the movie so very excited about that <laughs> sure you want you don't want to admit it i know well, that. i well because i i it's like i liked i liked randy and i liked the ending that's it so i, right. I guess it's hard to say so that's why i'm like sure cool low life mm-hmm. oh somebody's coming on the show right now we have a guest coming on the show oh my gosh oh, hello What's up, John? How are you? Good. How are you guys? Doing well. Thank you. Happy Hanukkah up there. I like that background. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Happy Hanukkah to you as well. (laughs) Well, Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, my gourd. He is here. The legendary intercontinental champion of film, music, drumming, voice acting, all everything in between. John Oswald, welcome <laughs> to the show, buddy. Ooh, hey, that's the best opening I've ever had. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. We're gonna get into uh, we're gonna get into some of these movies, including Low Life, which we were featuring on the show No BS with Brian and Susan. But first, we've got to start at the very beginning. Where did it all start for you in film in this in this acting world? Where did it all start for you? Oh, I thought you meant where, where was I born? Where did it all start? <laughs> oh, wow. oh my God, uh, man! It started in jeez in Austin, Texas, where I am right now. Started shooting uh, Jackass type stuff in like fifth grade. Didn't everybody do that? Oh hell yeah! Oh shit! I think I started in uh, in uh, college you, doing that oh, when it was. Oh, I was way before you, buddy. <laughs> you, you guys are braver than me. I was. I could barely watch that show because it freaked me out. It was a dumb, uh, dumb guy thing. You were smarter than us. <laughs> so you were um, watching Jackass. What kind of stuff did you film? I mean, I think we started filming it before. It, of course, I'm going to try to take credit for it, but we started doing that before that show came out. I'm, I'm going to say that right now. Okay. Uh, they did it better than we did, of course. Um, God, I don't know. The, the, the best part about the story is one of the guys that did it with us is one of the writers on Low Life. We've been friends since fifth wow. grade. Awesome. So that's kind of that's kind of where it started. He moved to L.A. before I did. I actually moved there for music to be a drummer in, uh, with my then girlfriend, now wife. Um, Aww. Wanted to play drums there, but my buddy Jake, the Jake Gibson, the writer on Low Life, kept putting me in his stuff. His little as he got bigger and bigger, he you know cast me and said, "We need someone to do this part." I said, "Okay." You know, at first it was nothing, but then it turned into, "We need you for this this movie that we're making." So I said, "Yes." 
course. So you just kind of fell into this. So somebody must have saw something like, dude, this dude's got some. I mean, kind of. I always kind of wanted to do it. When I started drumming, I got into modeling first, which kind of my wife was in fashion. So those were easy gigs. I mean, I was like a, I was a mannequin in L.A. just standing there and they'd like, you know, <laughs> make me try clothes on. It's, it's fit modeling and not even taking pictures. Just try these jeans on in this warehouse to, you know, be in your underwear in front of 10 people looking at you how the jeans fit. It was weird, but it was good. I mean, it was hard to pay bills in L.A. playing music, so. But I always loved film. I always had the dream of doing it. So once I kind of gave up on music, I put more into film, and it was good to have friends with connections for sure. Yeah. Did you um did you ever have a film that inspired you to want to act in the first place? I've been wanting to for a long time. I was I grew up as a goofball, so Jim Carrey. First Jim oh, yeah. Carrey movie I saw, I was just like, this is it's so good. Was that the, was that the, was it, was it Ace Ventura? It was that, yeah, first yeah. one of those. I was, let's see, I was born in 86. When was that, 94? Yeah. Yeah. So that and, yeah, God, and the mask. Uh, uh. Don't remember, yeah, My parents were super strict with movies, too, so I always had to find sneaky ways to watch them. They let me listen to whatever music I wanted, but I couldn't see PG-13 when I was, thir- when I was you know, 12. They made, made me wait till I was 13. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Oh. That's that's amazing. I love that you said Jim Carrey got you in that. I have a really good friend who's in uh, the music business, and his two life-defining moments was first time he saw Jim Carrey in Ace Ventura and first time he heard Boys to Men, and now he's a <laughs> big fan. We're not quite the same then. I like Boys to Men, but it didn't define me, I don't think. Uh, so, no, Jim Carrey and uh, – God, I don't know. I remember seeing, I didn't go to many movies unless my parents went with me, you know, so the first yeah. R, first R-rated movie I saw in the theater was Air Force One with my dad, and I, it's, Gary Oldman just scared the shit out of me, and when I, you know, I knew so little about movies back then, so, you know, I was, I, I wanted to leave, but I didn't want to tell my dad, I was, you know, the suspense was crazy, and then to see him, what did I see him in after that? True Romance, maybe? And I was like, that's the, you know, you think he's Russian. You think the characters are like that when you're dumb and you're, what, 10 years old when I saw that? That's wow. the first time it blew my mind. It's like, <laughs> that is the same guy that's in Fifth Element in uh, True Romance and the crazy Russian hacker from Air Force One. He scared the shit out of me. <laughs> that first R movie I saw. I'll never forget that performance. That guy's incredible. That's so true. It's so true that movies do that. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. Yeah, so, I've always been I've always been a movie nut. Even when I was doing music and touring with you know touring with a band, I you know movies watch movies every day my whole life. I have DVDs above me, just so many. Above. Only guy still collecting DVDs. No, no. Hey, <laughs> no, you're, you're talking not. to one right here. Yeah, <laughs> still good. 4Ks, Blu-rays, collectors editions, all of that. I you have it. no idea. Good. Um, I still buy CDs on Amazon too. I just uh, I still buy CDs. CD. Yeah. I get made fun of for buying CDs. They're like, they I do make too. them. I was like, I love having. Well, yeah, I mean, I have CDs. Too, but yeah. Oh, uh, it's great. That's the good stuff. So, I, so you, you mentioned all this music stuff. Uh, I, I want to talk about. At all costs, the Sanglorians, LAX, and Sync to Sea, because you're drumming in these bands, and they all have distinctive sounds. One's kind of like, or like a hardcore metal. One's kind of like an electronic hard rock. One's electronic pop, and one's kind of like Third Eye Blind, Jimmy yeah. Eat World, '90s rock pop. That and was how- the that was the I moved to LA, and I will play for anybody who I think can, <laughs> can make money. Those guys were super nice. It was fun, but I had I would never. Have dreamed I would be, you know, playing that. 
but you get to a point where you can't play for the bands you you want to anymore. You just you moved there to do it as a living. You got to take what you can get. And that band still didn't get signed or make hardly any money, so it's a waste anyway. But with your but with drumming and different uh, different types of music as well as acting in different types of roles, you've got to like you know do you do you, do you zone out? Do you get in the zone and like just be whoever you are in the band, or do you adapt to the situation? I I think I I feel like I'm always the same doing something. Obviously, you got to change right when the camera you know turns on right when you start rolling but no i don't know it's all about a, a vibe i think i just try to be i'm from kansas try to be down to earth talk to your neighbors and you know my dad Where is the kind of guy that just starts talking to everybody in the restaurant dad what, what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> where in kansas are you from uh, i was born in kansas city oh so okay. i went to ku for five years you. my whole I family lived. went to k-state so oh very oh look at that i yeah. like k-state i've been to manhattan Okay. I've been my, to man, it's my, my grandparents went there. My great-grandpa was a, a, a professor there. He taught meat butchering. And like the, God, when would that have been? Great. <laughs> yeah, but grew up in Wichita. I lived there for five, six years. Moved to Austin in 94 and then was in L.A. the last 10 years and just got back to Austin last year. So What, what brought you to Austin? Um, My whole family is here. My wife grew up here. My wife was born and raised here. Um. My sister has two kids. My brother has three. We just had our second. So we, we knew eventually we wanted to get them all back together. My wife got a job offer back here, so we, we came back. Um, I miss L.A. I mean, I did a lot more when I was out out there, but it's nice when you got young kids to have family. Yeah. Awesome. For sure. We have, we have dreams of, of going back there. Still, all my best friends are out there. So, you know, I can go live in a basement if I need to. I keep those <laughs> connections out there. Very cool. No, I, I I'm familiar with Wichita, Kansas City. I love it. I love it. I love. Did I love you, the now, did you actually research all those? Did you listen to all those shitty bands I was in? No. So I I went and research. I do my research and yeah, I absolutely and watched the the YouTube videos. And dude, I actually You're really good. Liked you it guys all are legit. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. No, no yeah, was, lots of different kinds of music for sure. That first band at all costs. That band that I joined was my. I was a, a fan of them. They were my favorite local band in Austin when I was in high school. And then their drummer leaves, and, and the night that guy quit, they posted it on their whatever. I think it was MySpace back then. And I got ten calls, ten texts. You see, you got to try out. You got to try out. <laughs> oh, shit. So I tried out and got the gig. It was awesome. That is cool. And you also do a lot of voice work because um, you have a distinctive voice. Is there? Did you, when did you first – realize that you could develop voices i mean it goes back to jim carrey stuff too right? uh, he's doing funny I, I always got in trouble and yeah even as you know as young as third fourth grade just for class clown goofing off doing funny voices saying nasty words um, <laughs> i've always loved doing that though one of my best friends too was a linguist in college so he'd come over and we'd if you flip through his textbooks that's fun to me i like i don't know so I can like you do a jim carrey no, God, no. Anyone do that? <laughs> I don't know. It'd be impressive. No, no way. But I do like I do like accents, and uh, that was the same thing with those voiceover gigs. It was people that I had met through Low Life or another shoot. They're like, "Wow, you're very expressive." I have a st- studio. Someone backed out on me. Do you want to? Yeah, sure. Just took what gigs I could get and ended up, you know. What's your I, best I accent? Voiceover. What's My your best accent? Oh, God. Or your what favorite one to do, really? Yeah. I'm. 
I've been trying to work on, man, Irish is so hard. And you've been reading about that movie coming out now with uh, Emily Blunt and Christopher Walken doing his Irish accent. Have you heard it? Yes. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah. Uh, is that the, the Wild Mountain yes. Time yes. one? Yeah. 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 We'll not be seeing that one. <laughs> Irish is fucking hard. I listen, I watch Conor McGregor. It's just like, ah, oh, it's so awesome. I gotta try. It's so hard though. But no, man, the actors that I actors that that you watch a movie and they have a perfect American accent, and you read, you're like, that guy's from where? You gotta be kidding me. Those people blow my mind. That is incredible. I'm nowhere near that, but you know, dude, the little dude that played Spider Man. What's his name? Tom Holland. Tom Holland. Okay. Yeah. That guy's incredible. Yeah. Good. So, so let's get into Low Life. This all came yeah. about because of Low Life, this movie mm-hmm. that we featured as our blind watch. So, Susan and I usually. Oh, tell me, yeah, what does that mean? That's so, cool. blind watch is one of our segments on No BS where we uh, switch off each episode and pick a movie we have never seen or never heard about, which is weird for us because we frequent, we go every year to yeah. Fantastic Fest in Austin, which this. Low Life premiered at Fantasia, which is the granddaddy of all genre festivals. But we missed it at Fantastic Fest. So uh, I saw this, and I saw a luchador, and I saw, like, oh, shit, because I'm into pro wrestling. And I was like, Susan. I saw from your little – I did a little research, too. Husky model, among other things. (laughs) Yes, husky model. It did happen. (laughs) I'm sure it did. You got the look. You look great. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Uh, And uh, I – so we watched it. And the the angelic, the spotlight, the silver lining, as Susan described it earlier, was Randy, your character, John Oswald. And this character, when you first meet him in low life, <laughs> comes out of prison in baggy pants, baggy shirt, and a gigantic swastika tattoo on his entirety of his face. Mm-hmm. But this dude is like the Yoda, the silent Bob of the movie, <laughs> always spilling out the great uh, prophet, prophetic, I guess that's the word, lines. And... We had to have you on because we want a sequel that follows Randy. Yeah. Oh, that's all we want, too. <laughs> we have decided if there is a sequel, it is Randy in Mexico. Yeah. I feel like that would be I, – I honestly think I would have enjoyed that more. <laughs> it was It was tough until you got there. I'm going to tell you that right you guys now. Are kind, yeah. It was fun. So tell me. No one's ever described him as Yoda before. I like that. <laughs> no, he is. He has like these right. wonderful, like philosophical lines that sure. makes everything better. But, but seemingly totally on accident because I, I try <laughs> to play him like kind of an idiot. You know, we talked to the director and I would talk. He's kind of like just a lovable puppy, kind of dumb. You love him, but you don't really know why. Can you see? Well, he's is smarter. It, yeah. Is it true that you uh, were trying to? Be like Eminem with the character? A little bit. I mean, I wasn't trying to be, you know, just using his. I, I'm a huge, huge Eminem fan. I started listening to him just from the beginning. So I know it's goofy. I get made fun of for that all the time, but I love him. Um, but yeah, he's goofy. So when I, you know, when I read that, that's just immediately where my head went. And again, my best friend being the writer, they kind of. You know, they would have taken a bigger actor if they could have gotten one, but they wrote it with kind of me in mind, just a goofy, you know. But yes, so, Eminem was 
So you knew that it was being written, but when you read the script, what was your reaction? You were like, do I have to do this out in public? Do I have to? (laughs) I mean, yes, but I also was not surprised because I, you know, I had had worked with this director before um, through my friend that was his writing buddy or whatever. They did all these YouTube official comedy skits, but before that, I didn't know he was a director, so he was just my buddy. And then you come to learn like, oh, this guy's pretty legit director. Um, they always made me do the worst characters. I was the Krampus in one skin. They like painted my face black with all this muck and turned me into some Christmas freak. I'll have to send you the link to that skit. It's outrageous. Yeah. But they like to make me do wild stuff. So when I read, yeah, swastika on my face, it's just like, God damn it, man. <laughs> and the worst part is I, I had a job. I was managing like a juice, a juice shop in, in West Hollywood and they were telling me, can you come here to get fitted or whatever for this thing? I was like, no, oh, I can't. I'm, I'm working today. <laughs> then to come by my juice shop and, like, put – people could tell what it was. Yeah. It's just like my boss sitting there just like, what, what is this that you're doing back here? It's terrible. <laughs> but, yeah, we had to put that on many, many times before they found just the right fit. Airbrushed every morning at, like, 7 a.m. Was it easy to take off? Mm-mm. Oh, no. No, everyone got to go home, and I got to sit there for about 45 extra minutes. Oh. They wouldn't. I One night, I was so, so tired. It was an overnight shoot. I'd work the next day. I was still working when we were shooting. So dumb. Um, I asked them, I was like, can I just go home and go to sleep? They said, absolutely not. You are not leaving with that on your face. It was scary, man. Some So we shot in some rough parts of L.A., and I had to have someone follow me with, like, an umbrella. So we don't want these guys hanging around the park to to see that one guy did and kind of got close to set. It's like what's what's up with that guy? They're just like, all right, we need to wrap this up. So it was scary, that? but some people also thought I was like Brad Pitt. They're like, who's that one with the umbrella over? Him? Like, that's all right. Yeah, Brad, that's Brad Pitt. <laughs> no, that's yeah. well, that's a good question, a good topic to bring up as far as with your character having that on his face and shooting in public. On location. Low budget That's, shoot, yeah. It's yeah. not like a closed set type deal. This was, you know, a lot of these guys put in their own money. They were tired of waiting around for studios, fell through, funding fell through so many times. They just said, you know, let's make this. They had enough friends that were good at their jobs that got together and just shot this scrappy thing. But, yeah, when you're walking around with that, it's, you know, it's kind of a couple of scary, scary yeah, moments. <laughs> bizarre. No, that's great. But so, like, but your character, you must have brought so much to the character to make him, like, really this lovable, like, the unsung hero of this movie, which is, like, oh, I should say just the sung hero of this movie. You really, this Randy character is the hero of this film in every possible way. So what did you bring to this role, man? Like, because when we're watching this, you see all of this this Randy character is surrounded by this depravity and this debauchery of epic proportions, this grossness. And then Randy comes in and makes everybody okay. He's like, he's like the Willy Wonka of like, it's going to be okay, man. I just tried to cut, just tried to play it as innocent. A lot of my, myself try to be, I'd like to think I'm a nice, innocent boy. Uh, (laughs) But I think that's why they wanted me for it. And the director said, just, you know, kind of, it's my first, you know, Big movie, not big, but we'd only done skits before that. It's just like, don't try to overplay it because, you know, it's the first first time on set you don't 
I don't know, wasn't that comfortable. I got to watch some of the other actors in it. No, their first scenes were amazing. That was also intimidating. Like, uh, there are some legit actors here. I was kind of scared. So I just played it. Just I just didn't think about it. Just Sean Penn has the best advice ever. Don't ever get caught acting. So you just are there with those amazing actors, and you just never break Randy. So it's, a lot of it is myself just trying to be authentic. I love that Randy, he's just a loyal friend. God, he'll do 11 years and then he gets talked into doing more shit for <laughs> Keith right there. So, you know, he's loyal to a fault. Dumb in that way, but uh yeah, tries to be a genuine guy just with shit luck. So you feel bad for him, but uh yeah, he ends up being a lovable guy. I was I was flattered the first time you read the script. They're like, we want you to be in our movie. You read the script. Say, okay, sure, guys. Who am I going to be? You get to the end, you're like, oh, I'm like the, it's like the best character. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Love you. I love character. this. Yeah. That's, that's, and that's why, like, we were saying this before. And for me, like, the ending was like it made it i was like oh god thank god for this ending that was good and, that, and that's why we that wasn't the original that wasn't the original ending they had to rework so many things like it doesn't quite work this was months later and they're like oh of course randy gets the mask at the end oh right? what was the other ending i don't i it's been oh. so long i can't remember <laughs> but yeah anything besides that makes no sense right no yeah i wouldn't have liked that if it yeah. wasn't that Tarantino came to one of our screenings. He thought that was, he was like, oh, and Randy getting it at the end. I was like, oh, I'm Randy. I didn't get to talk to him. Damn, he left right after it. But uh, yeah, pretty cool that he saw it and liked it. But he also thought that was the best. Randy getting the mask just had to be that way. It, it did. It did. Is there anything, um, since you said that was your first big movie, was there anything that you took away from that experience? Um. Working on other sets after that, um, you think they're all going to be like that. We're all super close on the low life set, kind of know everybody, even the you know even the lighting guy, cinematographer, all buddies, um, which is is awesome. Um, but you think that kind of takes away from it. My first movie, it's like yeah, I guess it's a movie, but it's all with all my friends. Then you, I worked, you know, small parts on some other shows. You, you're the worst at FX show and Lady Dynamite is tiny, just like standing in the background, but seeing how those sets are run and being on set, you look back and realize it's, it's better to, I mean, low life was the best. And I realized those guys are super legit and good at what they do. Um, but taking away from that, yeah, your best performance is when you're relaxed and when you, I don't know. It's weird to show up on a set where the director's an asshole and the you don't see the actor till they come on because they're hanging out in their trailers. Just it's weird. It doesn't work. But low life when you have nowhere to go, so all the actors just hang out and you get to know each other. I think you feel that in the in the movie just because we had to even between takes you're sitting there with the actor that you have all the scenes with. You're just with each other all day every day. So it helps for sure. That's yeah. good. That's good. And so. Take us through, did you get to go to Fantasia, to Canada? To Yeah. Can you tell yeah. us about that experience, being at the premier genre festival for your movie? Yeah, I, I didn't know what to expect. Um, thought it might be a little dinker, but I was going to go anyway. You know, we went to some festivals after that. It's, like, it's going to be like Fantasia. You're like, oh, no, it's not. It's what I thought Fantasia was going to be. Uh, man, it was awesome. The crowd was so good. Uh, I had been to Canada, but way other side, Vancouver. What a cool place Montreal is, and the people there just down with that weird shit. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing, though. When I told my parents I'm going there, I said, oh, we're going too. Yeah. <laughs> I was sitting right next to my parents for it in the premiere. It was crazy. What did your parents think of the movie? Oh, they loved it. 
They've seen all my other sketches. They've even seen that Krampus one that I'm going to send you. It's just vile oh, as hell. Oh. No, they like they like that stuff. Very supportive. Conservative, but supportive. Oh, wow. And no, the premiere was, man, it's one of the best nights of my life. It was incredible. But again, you think they're all going to be like that afterwards. Then we end up going to some dinkers. Like, yeah, I'll fly to, you know, this place for this fest. And it's just, it's cool. But Fantasia's big. You don't realize that. So you go to the smaller ones after it. It was great. And Packed House seemed like they loved it. It's crazy to watch. Awesome. Because yeah. I'd shot a lot of stuff before that, but it's, if, it's, if it's a commercial or a web series, you don't all get in a freaking theater and watch it on a big screen. It's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Right. Uh, cool. Let's do some fun questions. Or actually, Susan, do you have any other questions? Yeah, she does. Yeah, actually, I am curious just because, uh, and I can, first of all, you say, do you call it El Monstro? Is that right? Is mm-hmm. that his characters? You well, got it. In the movie, he's supposed to be like a hero to everybody. Is there, do you have your own El Monstro that you looked at as like the hero of your life growing up or even now? Oh, man. That is a very good question. In real life, my monstro, huh? Mm-hmm. My rock. Yeah. Uh, God, probably my brother. Yeah? He built like monstro, too. He was a linebacker <laughs> in college, briefly. Uh, now, yeah, older brother, just, I'm I'm the youngest of three. Got a middle sister, too, but he guided the flock, for sure. Uh, my dad, of course, my dad's incredible, too. But, yeah, my brother is cool as hell. Just never done anything wrong. Brilliant. Oh cool fun to hang out with just yeah love that guy. he's, One he's of the like reasons. the randy he's like the randy at the end of the movie yeah pretty much <laughs> but yeah one of the reasons we moved back for our family both of my wife and our family is great we miss la i wish i was working more but was working here then everything gets shut down anyway so kind of would be the same <laughs> back there i gather odd times we're living in yeah for sure for sure uh, so here's some fun questions for you. Uh, what is the most thrilling music experience you've had both as a fan and as a musician? Most thrilling as a fan was second or third show I ever saw at Green Day. Oh. Right when my parents let me start going to shows. This was probably, God, I was probably 12 years old. Played for three hours just nonstop. And that, that has always stuck with me. Again, this theme I keep coming back to of seeing the best thing first and then expecting everything to be, you know, you think all concerts are like that. Then you start going to more shows. You're like, this sucks. <laughs> Played for 40 minutes. It sounded horrible, but just you go back to Green Day. That was the first time I saw a legit, loud, heavy band. And that's, I mean, that's what got me into wanting to play music for sure. You see something like that as a kid. It was so, those guys are incredible still. Uh, so that's as a fan uh, for playing most thrilling moments, probably playing Austin city limits. I didn't play it with that metal band. It was that electronica thing, but man, I had always gone to that growing up in Austin, go to that festival every year, just as a fan. So to be playing one year was pretty awesome. I remember being so nervous. You're so jacked up. I that played to a metronome, a click track. And you're, it, it sounded so slow to me that I like stopped my bass player i was like come here this something's wrong with the with the click track he's like what are you talking about it's like it's way too slow isn't it like, no that's that's the tempo it just felt like i was playing like the slowest thing ever because you're so jacked up but uh god that was yeah probably most thrilling 
even though there weren't, we played at like 9.30 in the morning, or probably 100 people watching, but <laughs> thrilling nonetheless. Hey, maybe the best. I mean, Jimi Hendrix yeah. only played to like 5% of Woodstock because he was the last act. Is that right? It's the best one. Yeah, so if you ever watched the, I didn't know that. <laughs> if you watched the documentary or the movie, Woodstock, you could tell that everybody has gone except for maybe 1,000 people that only saw him play. Yeah. He was the last act. Wow. <laughs> Never knew that. Amazing. Um, also, are there any particular scenes in movies that have always stuck with you growing up? That still, you asked, I'm glad you asked me about that before because I had to think about it. It's like, man. I, I learned my lesson with other people, talking with other people. because you sit there and they're like, hmm. <laughs> usually I'll, when that happens, I'll usually go and start naming mine, and it'll they'll just draw up uh, some ones. But no, I'm glad I sent them all. to you. <laughs> <laughs> The the scene I come back to that I love so much that just came out of the blue the first time I saw it, and I went back six, seven times in the theater just for the buildup and the climax, is, is There Will Be Blood, the bowling alley scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, my God. That's just already one of my favorite movies ever, but it's just a perfect scene. You feel like you know what's going to happen, but then it's a little more than what you – it's just – I think it's a perfect scene and a perfect ending to that movie. Um it's, what about it's, you guys? No, no. I mean, um, I lo- I love that scene because it's so great in that everything starts off so calm and collected and but again, friendly. You feel that like this isn't right, like he, right. There's something, something off. Yeah. Like why is he eating a steak in a bowling alley? <laughs> right. But it also could have gone black. You know, some of PTA's films they end so weird. So it could. Right. Have, I was like, oh, it's about to end, and you know, it'll be. It, it was pretty good. And it just goes to this. You're like, oh, this, oh, God, this is okay. I did think this was gonna. <laughs> it's just crazy. No, it's good. Uh, my, I guess some of my favorite scenes. I love um, train spotting where Spud goes for the job interview and fucks it up completely. Because <laughs> yeah. I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Spaceballs, the asshole scene, the asshole <laughs> joke. Because it's such a great old joke, but it's like done perfectly. I haven't seen that in so long. No, it's been so long. <laughs> they just announced the 4K. They just announced the 4K of Spaceballs. So that'll go in your collection for yes. sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, Mel Brooks. At Blazing Saddles, I have in my collection. Wild movie. Right. And then, uh, question. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. Do you have, I have tons. So, I mean, the, when I think about that, the first thing that comes to mind is, uh, Breakfast Club when they're sitting at the, just sitting around talking and they're doing all their confessions. That's my favorite movie of all time. And it's just, that, that's why that, like, that scene, I always say it's the first scene in a movie that moved me and made Mm -hmm. me like, whoa, movies have this effect on me. Yeah. Yeah. So. I remember my first time seeing that it was on TV. It was all edited up. I said, oh, this is this. I got to go get it. So next day I went to the Blockbuster and rented it. That's literally it. what happened to me. I watched it on yeah, TV right? at uh-huh. 4 a.m. I probably I probably was watching that same day that time. <laughs> next day I went to yeah. like Best Buy and bought the VHS. And I have every version of Breakfast Club that you could own. Amazing. What a movie. So good. Uh, good. Uh, other ones, man. When I was thinking about that question, other ones that stuck with me, since I couldn't see movies like I was telling you, R-rated ones, uh, I was, God, probably a sophomore or freshman in high school hanging out with some of my brother's friends, older guys, uh, and stayed the night at one of the guys' places. We watched three movies I had never seen before, back to back to back. It was Usual Suspects, Pulp Fiction, and Seven. 
Oh, good. Wow. What a triple feature. What a yeah, cage right? match, man. <laughs> I was just like, you got to see these three right here. He was, I think he's still a director. He was back then, but he fancied himself the biggest movie buff. Ever. He's like, these are the three, man. At the end, you're just like, wow, those are three just fucking great movies. And I think back to all that. Yeah, just the, the, the climax of Seven at the end. I, I love that scene. Helicopter over the desert, wherever the hell they are. What's in the box? <laughs> I love yeah. it. I, I love I love when he yells when he yells in the police office or the police precinct detective, and I just think his he should not be named. I guess <laughs> just sells that line so well, and I love it. I know that movie incredible. It's good. It's good. I, oh man, we could do this yeah. all day. I love it. So I, I guess to round out this uh, this podcast with you, John, um, the spotlight is on you. So please tell everybody in uh, in the style of your most favorite accent where to get <laughs> and watch uh, Low Life. I, you got to tell me where to eat, where it even is. Oh, it's, it's on Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> it's on Hulu. Hulu. Is it really? Yeah. yeah. Go on down to your nearest Hulu. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, log in. Log into your account on the Hulu and uh, give it a ride. <laughs> give it a go. That's very good. I love it. I love it's it. A combination of four very half-ass accents. but I like it. I like it. I like it, too. I got to keep it down. I'm going to wake up my daughter. <laughs> oh, no. Well, John, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure talking with you, and we would love to have you on again. Please, yeah. The next time I make something uh, legit, I'll let you know. You can have me on again. Please, awesome. yeah. Thank you. Awesome. It's been really thank great. Thank you guys so much. That's yeah, <laughs> means a lot. You watched it, did the research. It's cool. I'm glad yeah. some people are still watching it. And to round this podcast out, Susan, sing it. What's the title of this? Um... It's beginning to look a lot like podcast, right? Uh, you guys sing it, girl. Oh, it's beginning to look a lot like podcast. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, honorable mentions where we suggest movies and TV shows we've been watching that we want you to watch. Um, I'll start out uh, with The Pack. Uh, season. It's a first season on Amazon Prime. It is basically the amazing race with dogs. It is amazing, sweet, wholesome, great right now to watch. You'll fall in love with all of these cute dogs as they go across the world to many different countries and do really fun challenges with their owners, and it's super great. Um, the dogs fall in love with each other. They're doing great things. Um also, uh, let's see here. Hunter Hunter, I want to bring up. Hunter Hunter is a new film coming out very soon. It is really dark and crazy. Uh, it stars Nick Stahl and Devin Sawa. Oh, my God. I haven't seen him since The Fanatic. I know, right? This is way better than The Fanatic. This is actually a really good movie about a family that lives in the, like, remote rural wilderness and um, in present day, and there uh, a wolf is out to get them, but then somebody shows up on their doorstep who might not be who they seem. It oh. is crazy, one of the craziest endings I've ever seen. Uh, wonderful, wonderful stuff there. Um, Lord of the Rings 4K 
finally Warner Brothers has put their Lord of the Rings trilogy in 4K on disc. It's unbelievably good. If you get the set, you'll get the theatrical and the extended editions, both with it, along with a lot of the bonus features as well. It, so Peter Jackson for the last two or three years has been working on this, and he mm-hmm. has gone back and changed and upgraded a lot of the visual effects to make more sense modern day, and it looks amazing. Okay. Um, and I know um, we're both going to talk about this, but News of the World, Paul Greengrass and Tom Hanks' new film, they teamed up a few years ago for Captain Phillips. Paul Greengrass did the last three Bourne movies, Jason Bourne movies, but now he's kind of out of his wheelhouse, kind of like this sweet Western movie that I think is one of Tom Hanks' best things he's done in a long time. It's, it's a so pretty good movie. It's interesting that you say that it's one of his best in a long time because I think he's done some pretty good movies not too long ago. I mean, I, I know you don't like Bridge of Spies. I like Bridge of Spies. I like I thought Sully was one of his best recently. Uh, are you, Oh, my. Sully was so good. amazing uh but i mean okay i agree i really enjoyed uh news of the world it was surprisingly good and sweet that's what i said exactly surprisingly good i went into that movie expecting to be bored and probably tuning out and playing on my phone because i've been doing that this year because some of these screeners are just they're just not holding my attention but i was really into this one this one held it and it was it's a watch it, people, and it feels really good in the end. It feels it's a feel. No, good it's film. good. Like it's weird because it's out of Greengrass's wheelhouse. Because like parts of the movie are really emotional. It's really mm-hmm. deep and dark, and there's some pretty violent scenes. But then yeah. all of a sudden, like there's these elements, especially in the end, where it's like, wow, this like it's kind of silly and funny, and like, oh, it's like wholesome. Like I really, I really liked it. It worked well. Yeah. It did. Good. It did. Good, Agreed. Good. Uh, agreed. All right. Now, <laughs> switching tones, Pieces of a Woman. Oh. Shia LaBeouf, who I don't know if we can talk about now because he's once again brought up on, you know, physical and emotional abuse charges from a previous movie. Who knows? Uh, but I love Shia LaBeouf. Um, I love him too. I do. He's so good in this. This movie Such is a about guy. a couple – they're having um, – they're about to give birth at home with a midwife, and it just goes terribly wrong. And it's about the emotional state of both these people afterwards. Mm-hmm. And um, how they film the birthing scene at home is all in one shot, and it is very suspenseful, and it's very tragic. This is this is kind of like the Manchester by the Sea movie. There's just, like, not a lot of good feelings in this movie. <laughs> But Manchester by the Sea had so much comic relief in it. That's true, yes. The yes. relationship with, yeah, like, they, that was lighthearted. This is one of those movies that, okay, I appreciated that opening scene and the, the birth scene. I was like, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so hooked. This is exciting. This is, I know something terrible is about to happen. But then after that, it all goes to shit. It's so depressing. And it's just, I mean, it's the movie that keeps on shitting. Like, that's what it is. It's a great movie, wonderfully shot, terrific performances. Shia LaBeouf is, once again, just killing it, and I would say deserves a nomination. Uh, But I never want to see it again in my life. And I would prefer to just, like, forget about it if I can because it's so depressing. No, it is pretty depressing. Even the ending is pretty depressing. Like It it doesn't stop being depressing. Right, yeah. It's it's one of those movies where – 
you're going to want like a breather afterwards, like you just want to be left alone or you just want to like, God, I got to put on like Seinfeld or scrubs or something, you know, Mm -hmm. something like that. So that's uh, kind of that element. All right. And then uh, you have another one, which I haven't seen yet. I can't wait to see it. I have the screening link for it, but I want to see it. It is one of my favorite films of the year. It will be in my top ten. It will probably be high up there. Promising Young Woman is such a good movie. It stars Carrie Mulligan, and it's about a girl who, because of past traumatic events, she's now seeking revenge on men who try to take advantage of women. And I'm not even, like, a huge Carrie Mulligan fan, but this is, like, her best performance, and she nails it. There are so many famous people in this movie. Your Bo Burnham's in it, who is fantastic as well. But it is I love a good revenge film, and this is definitely that. It re, it's very reminiscent to Hard Candy. Did you ever watch that with Ellen Page? Oh yeah, I watched Hard Candy. I actually did a um, a Mr. Nice Guy episode on Hard Candy. Oh, I don't know what that means, but. but yeah i mean yeah like it's it reminds me of that a lot and but you know with like a different reason but yeah it's it's so good i cannot recommend i don't want to spoil anymore because the trailer doesn't give away too much and i i love that they do that and that's how you should go in with this movie just know you need to watch it perfect i can't wait Mm -hmm. i can't wait um any others Gosh, I'm like, see, we've been smothered with movies. Yeah, that just, I'm they like, all run together. They really. all, they run, all together. run together. So I'm trying to think. I'm like, obviously, well, I mean, Soul comes out in, on Christmas on Disney Plus. That was a great one. That was really um, good. Really and good Pixar. Pixar is getting deep. Yeah, it's deep. definitely the it most layered. mature Pixar film yet. It, it might. I I'll be really interested to see the uh, kids' responses to it, but. I really, I think those are the ones that stand out. Like I'm trying. Oh, well, we you. I think you mentioned this one, but I did watch Uncle Frank over Thanksgiving, and that will yeah. be in my top ten. Freaking incredible movie! Like so funny. great acting in that movie. Uh, Paul Bettany gets my vote right now for best actor for that movie. Ooh, really? Yeah, right now he would be my lead best actor. Shia LaBeouf specifically probably- with a scene. Oh, specifically with a scene at the grave. Uh, I was honestly just thinking when, I don't want to reveal it, but there's a scene where something is, like, red. Oh, yeah. Just that. Just that alone. Just the the anticipation of what he knows is about to come. It reads all over his face. And then the reveal, and then he's so fantastic. Everyone is great in that movie, but Paul Bettany is just incredible. So I would give him right now my best actor and I'd give Shia LaBeouf for pieces of woman for supporting actor. But I mean, I'd really need to sit back and, and think about all the actors right now. Well, I'm glad you liked uncle Frank. I, I liked I it too. It. I did. Too. I liked it. it too. Good. She loved it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did too. I loved it too. He loved it. Uh, good deal. Well, that wraps up our episode um, no BS with Brian and Susan, episode 16. Sing it with me, Susan. 
It's beginning, it's beginning to, to look, look a lot like, like podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. We we're we're, we're going to have an album soon. Sure. Um, yes, we are. <laughs> uh, yeah, this has been amazing. Um, we will see you uh, before the new year. We we heart you. We love you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. <laughs>